0: Supreme Court Update Reference Re Pan-Canadian Securities Regulation 2018 SCC 48 The federal government and the governments of Ontario, British Columbia, Saskatchewan, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, and Yukon have proposed to implement a national cooperative system for the regulation of capital markets in Canada, the Cooperative System. The framework of the cooperative system is set out in an agreement between the federal government and the participating provincial and territorial governments, the Memorandum. The main components of the cooperative system include a model, provincial and territorial statute, the Model Provincial Act, that deals primarily with the day to day aspects of the securities trade, a proposed federal statute, the Draft Federal Act, that is aimed at preventing and managing systemic risk. And which establishes criminal offenses relating to financial markets, and a national securities regulator, the authority, charged with administering this coordinated regime. The authority and its board of directors are to operate under the supervision of a council of ministers, which will comprise the ministers responsible for capital markets regulation in each participating province and the federal minister of finance. Neither the model provincial act nor the draft federal act have the force of law, unless and until they are properly enacted into legislation by the provincial legislatures and Parliament, respectively. The memorandum provides that both remain subject to legislative approval. The memorandum also contemplates that the Council of Ministers will have a role to play in making amendments to these proposed legislative enactments. With respect to the Model Provincial Act, Section 5.5 of the Memorandum provides that any proposals to amend the Model Provincial Act are subject to a vote and must be approved by at least 50% of the members of the Council of Ministers, as well as by the members representing the, quote, major capital markets jurisdictions, end quote, which are at present Ontario and British Columbia. Another important aspect of the cooperative system is the authority's power to make regulations. Both the Model Provincial Act and the Draft Federal Act provide that any regulations proposed by the authority must be approved by the Council of Ministers before coming into force. Section 5.2 of the Memorandum lays out the voting requirements that apply to the approval of proposed regulations. The Government of Ontario, the Government of Quebec referred the following two questions pertaining to the cooperative system to the Quebec Court of Appeal. 1. Does the Constitution of Canada authorize the implementation of Pan Canadian Securities Regulation under the authority of a single regulator, according to the model established by the most recent publication of the quote, Memorandum of Agreement regarding the Cooperative Capital Markets Regulatory System? End quote. Second, does the most recent version of the draft of the Federal quote, Capital Markets Stability Act end quote, exceed the authority of Parliament over the general? branch of trade and commerce under section 91 sub 2 of the constitution act 1867 a majority of the court of appeal answered both questions in the negative in response to the first question the majority concluded that the cooperative system was unconstitutional because of the process for amending the model provincial act and in particular the requirement that any amendments thereto be approved by the council of ministers in accordance with section 5.5 of the memorandum has the effect of fettering the sovereignty of the participating provinces and territories' respective legislatures. The majority also opined that the process for making federal regulations, as set out in the Draft Federal Act and the Memorandum, is inconsistent with the principle of federalism because it allows certain provinces to effectively veto the adoption of a federal regulation. As to the second question, the majority concluded that the Draft Federal Act is not ultra-virus parliament, under the General Trade and Commerce Power, except with respect to Provisions 76 and 79, that set out the role of the Council of Ministers in making the federal regulations. Again expressing the view that these provisions, when read alongside the memorandum, have the effect of conferring on certain provinces a veto over federal regulations, the majority concluded that they would render the entire draft federal act unconstitutional if not removed. The Attorney-General of Canada appealed the Quebec Court of Appeals opinion on both questions. The Attorney-General of British Columbia appealed on the first question and the Attorney-General of Quebec appealed on the second question. Held! The appeals brought by the Attorney-General of Canada and the Attorney-General of British Columbia should be allowed. The appeal brought by the Attorney-General of Quebec should be dismissed. Question 1 should be answered in the affirmative, question 2 should be answered in the negative. Question 1. The Constitution authorizes the implementation of Pan-Canadian Securities Regulation under the authority of a single regulator in accordance with the terms set out in the memorandum. First, the cooperative system, as set out in the memorandum, does not purport to, and in any event cannot, improperly federate the legislature's sovereignty. Sections 4.2 and 5.5 of the memorandum make clear, that the Council of Ministers' role is limited to proposals for amendments to the Model Provincial Act. The Model Provincial Act is expressly subject to legislative approval and thus lacks the force of law within a province unless and until it is enacted by the province's legislature. These provisions of the memorandum do not contemplate that the Council of Ministers will have any formal involvement in the amendment of securities laws that have already been enacted by provincial legislatures, Nowhere does the memorandum imply that the legislatures of the participating provinces are required to implement the amendments made to the provincial model that have been approved by the Council of Ministers, or that they are precluded from making any other amendments to their securities laws. The terms of the memorandum do not even require that the provisions of the Model Provincial Act themselves be enacted into law by the legislatures of the participating provinces. Accordingly, the legislatures remain free to reject the proposed statutes, and any Amendments made to them, if they so choose. Even if the terms of the memorandum actually purported to feather the provincial legislature's right to enact, amend, and repeal their securities legislation, it would be ineffective in this regard, in view of the principle of parliamentary sovereignty. Parliamentary sovereignty, a foundational principle of the Westminster model of government, means that the legislative branch of government has supremacy over the executive and the judiciary. Both must act in accordance with the statutory enactments and neither can usurp or interfere with the legislature's lawmaking function. An important colliery to parliamentary sovereignty is the rule that the executive is incapable of interfering with the legislature's power to enact, amend, and repeal legislation. An executive agreement that purports to bind the party's respective legislatures cannot, therefore, have that effect. In the case at hand, executive signatories Would thus not actually be capable of either requiring that the legislatures of their respective jurisdictions implement any amendments dictated by the Council of Ministers, or of precluding those legislatures from amending their own securities law without the approval of the Council of Ministers. When an action of the executive branch appears to clash with the legislature's lawmaking powers, parliamentary sovereignty can be invoked for the purpose of determining the legal effect of the impugned executive action but not its underlying validity. Any executive agreement that purports the fetter of the legislature is not inherently unconstitutional, but will simply not have the desired effect. Second, the cooperative system does not entail any impermissible delegation of lawmaking authority. Parliamentary sovereignty also means that the legislature has the authority to enact laws on its own, as well as the authority to delegate to some other person or body certain administrative or regulatory powers, including the power to make binding but subordinate rules and legislation. One important restriction on delegation, however, is that Parliament or a provincial legislature is barred from transferring its primary legislative authority with respect to a particular matter over which it has exclusive constitutional jurisdiction to a legislature of the other level of government. In this case, Neither the memorandum nor the model provincial act empowers the council of ministers to unilaterally amend the province's security legislation and no part of the cooperative system imposes any legal limit on the participating provinces' legislative authority to enact, amend or repeal their respective security laws as they see fit. The council of ministers' role in approving amendments to the model provincial act, a model statute that has no force of law until a provincial enactment gives it such force is therefore plainly distinguishable from the delegation of primary legislative authority. Because the cooperative system does not allow the Council of Ministers to bypass the provincial legislatures at all, the proper implementation of the cooperative system, in accordance with the terms of the memorandum, will not create any transfer or abdication of participating province's primary legislative authority. The Council of Ministers is and remains subordinate to the sovereign will of the legislature. Question two The proposed draft federal act is intraveras. It falls within the general branch of Parliament's trade and commerce power pursuant to Section ninety one sub two of the Constitution Act eighteen sixty seven. The two stage analytical framework for the review of legislation on federalism grounds is well established. At the first stage, the characterization stage, the court considers the law's purpose and its effect with a view to identifying the true subject matter, the pith and substance, of the law in question. Once the court has completed this exercise, it then moves on to the second stage, the classification stage, and determines whether the subject matter of the challenged legislation falls within the head of power being relied on to support the legislation's validity. Where it does, the legislation will be upheld on the basis that it is vires. On the question of characterization, the pith and substance of the Draft Federal Act is to control systemic risk, having the potential to create materially adverse effects on the Canadian economy. The Draft Federal Act's preamble, its stated purposes at Section 4, and the authority's statutory mandate at Section 6, together suggest that the Federal government's role in regulating capital markets is limited to the detection, prevention, and management of risk to the stability of the Canadian economy, as well as to the protection against financial crimes. The concept of systemic risk is specifically invoked throughout the Draft Federal Act as a means of limiting the scope of federal regulatory powers. Systemic risk can be understood as having three constituent elements. The risk must represent a threat to the stability of the country's financial system as a whole, it must be connected to the capital markets, and it must have the potential to have a material adverse effect on the Canadian economy. Moreover, the Draft Federal Act does not contain provisions that go to the day-to-day regulation of all aspects of security trading. Properly understood, therefore, the intention is not that the Draft Federal Act will displace provincial and territorial securities legislation. It was instead designed to complement these statutes by addressing economic objectives that are considered to be national in character. With respect to the classification of the Draft Federal Act, the ultimate question in this case is whether the Act, viewed in its entirety, addresses a matter of genuine importance and scope going to trade as a whole, in a way that is distinct and different from provincial concerns. The application of the framework set out in General Motors of Canada Limited and City National Leasing, a 1989 Supreme Court decision, leads to the conclusion that the Draft Federal Act does address a matter of genuine national importance and scope relating to trade as a whole, and it therefore falls within Parliament's general trade and commerce power under section 91 sub 2 of the Constitution Act 1867. The preservation of the integrity and stability of the Canadian economy quite clearly has a national dimension, and one which lies beyond provincial competence. Moreover, The fact that the federal government's foray into securities regulation under the Draft Federal Act is limited to achieving these objectives supports the validity of the proposed statute. Lastly, the manner in which the Draft Federal Act delegates the power to make regulations accords with Parliament's constitutional powers, meaning that sections 76-79 to of the Draft Federal Act have no impact on its constitutionality. There is nothing problematic about the way in which the Draft Federal Act delegates the power to make regulations to the authority under the supervision of the Council of Ministers. The legislature has the broad authority to delegate administrative powers, including the power to make legally binding rules and regulations to a subordinate body. In exercising its sovereign legislative powers, Parliament has the authority to confer on a statutory body, in this case the Council of Ministers, the power to approve or reject proposed subordinate regulations, even if some members of that body are representatives of certain provinces. The delegation of administrative powers in a manner solicitous of, or even dependent upon, provincial input is in no way incompatible with the principle of federalism, provided that the delegated legislature has the constitutional authority to legislate in respect of the applicable subject matter in the first place.